guess we can go ahead and start. I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, we started. This is it. We're already. This is live. Yeah. Well, if, if you want to try to give us some sort of label as to what we're doing here besides just talking. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so actually, this podcast. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, technically. Technically, the fourth episode. Um, although I don't know if the previous two are actually gonna are actually going to make it, as they say. Um, the The name of the podcast is, as of now, actually uh, Camboys, C A M M B O Y S. Putting this in my notes because I didn't know we had a name. This is exciting. Well, so, so. the so the thing is that it's like the name was initially there and actually I really like the name but the entire thing was designed to be sort of a tongue-in-cheek very uh uh very internet aware type thing it was supposed to be funny like it's funny um and then so so Caleb Caleb and I recorded the an episode and it was actually I think pretty good it was kind of random sort of uh scattershot of ideas and then we recorded the next two episodes which probably aren't going to get published both of which were like decisively unfunny and yeah. uh kind of uh like so the second one was about music and it was actually it was there was some there were some good parts to it but the third one was me sitting down with a friend from work and we were talking about 911 and the thing is it was completely off the cuff yeah. um so and he really wanted to talk about this. He really wanted to talk about it from uh, like a conspiracy theory angle. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, yeah, this could be fun. Like this could be really interesting. So we get in and we and we start recording. And then I realized like, oh, this is supposed to be sort of funny and lighthearted. But I need to give this overview on the event of 9-11. <laughs> so it's, like, kind of, it's kind of a well. Seinfeld choice to see 9-11 <laughs> for your, your lighthearted. <laughs> well, I, the thing is, there is a certain – there. I, I, I personally, I mean, I was, so I was in seventh grade when 9-11 happened, and, but I personally now find it to be, there is like a rich, dark humor to 9-11 that c- can only be, you know, could only have been mined from the sort of this, you know, uh, empathic horror of the event itself, and yeah. then like the weirdness of culture and everything that's happened since then. It's like yeah. this, it's this perfect diamond yeah, you know the heat it, and pressure creating this thing. It is kind of a very modern calamity in that sense. Like I think at the time I was like, "Oh, this is our Pearl Harbor or whatever." Yeah, and then you're kind of like in in hindsight, like, mm, no, it, it was very modern in that like we could have it happen and then we could just go on with our lives and not <laughs> too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely something to be. So. There's definitely something to be said for that. That we can be. That like we talk about. I mean, this this specific episode is going to be completely about, you know, uh, politics. But there's yeah. a certain like political uh, like disaffection. Um, this like idea that we can, you know, yeah. basically, it, it's it's like we're in a story. It's like we're in a story about things that are happening. Like nine eleven is this thing that sort of plays out, but it has no like really. It has no yeah. like thing to it. And and as far as our day to day lives, yeah, yeah, and like, I, I remember actually like they were like watching the invasion and stuff yeah. in two thousand three, kind of feeling the same. Like, oh my gosh, it's just like when you're you're young, you're trying to find, and you've read way too much World War Two history, <laughs> trying to find all these like connections and stuff, and like this is my yeah. moment, but this is what's going. And then you're kind of like, it everything is just so convenient yeah. for us. Even like these, I mean, we can just there's there's no rationing, there's no draft, but we can 
fight a war for 15 years going. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, like is the, you know, trying to find some sort of like the, the poetry of like the breaching of the Maginot line in yeah. like, you know, crossing over the border <laughs> from Kuwait. And yeah, yet there's really like... nothing. Yeah, it's like there's that that's going to. OK, that's I feel like that will play a role in this. Is, I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme in this stuff that we talk about for this episode. But we should go ahead and do. uh should yeah, we, we should do like introductions. So first yeah. of all, I want to say uh, I'm I'm Taylor. Uh, I guess we're doing last names. I don't know what this matters. Um, well, you can I, do I whatever you want. To. Both of our last names start with C A M because I was about to make fun of you for being too Camax centric with your naming of the podcast. Oh my but then god! I, realized I didn't it even realize that. So, <laughs> so now I, yeah, I was like I, I was gonna feel yeah. really kind of kind of angry about that, but so, I can't. So. Our guest, uh, our uh, our guest or potential guest host or whatever this ends up being, but uh, we have uh, James Camp, uh, childhood friend, uh, who is now currently living in Ohio. James, you want to tell us a little bit about a little bit about yourself? Yeah, it's sad enough. I'm realizing childhood friend is probably my strongest credentials for anything going on. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, just uh, being in Ohio, doing web development at a church, uh, which has been interesting. Uh, I think if we're going to, I don't know if we want to go and kind of hit current, like, kind of situations in life intellectually, like with politics and religion and stuff, or if that's next section or not. We I could do ahead. that. Yeah, we could do that. I want to, I want to get a little bit. So, so James, so James and I, we're, we're similar ages. And so we grew up in Longview, Texas, where I'm currently living. James is in, uh, James is in Ohio. Um, are you still in like Lancaster Great, yes, or something? Lord. Yeah, Lancaster. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, so so pretty close to the Columbus area. Um, we'll give out. We'll actually post your home address in the show notes. Please do that way. I had to get swatted. People send me pizza, so one or the other. Um, the so we so we grew up being kind of family friends, like church friends, and uh, so we uh, you know spent spent a lot of time together. Um, doing uh doing a lot of like uh like civil war reenactment type things um we'd go over so so james family lived out in the country so we'd go out there we'd actually film like these war movies uh which were pretty intricate a very extremely low budget i think at one point violent yeah they were there were parts of actually uh i know i remember one of the movies was specifically um it was given like a you know an x rating by uh by uh, was it your parents or my parents? I don't remember. I think it was. Let me read that real quick. I think it was your parents. I think my parents were maybe a bit distasteful. I think Isaac unwisely showed more stuff to your mom than we did uh, to my parents. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Because I, yeah. But uh, no, we had a good time. Like, I know, I think it was our crappy video camera we used. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. We managed to get a decapitation in there on one video. That was. Yeah, not not very well done, but it was impressive. <laughs> like, the spirit, the uh... yeah. My favorite, my favorite scene was probably uh, there was there was this panning shot that was supposed to be this sort of triumphant thing. I think it was maybe a Black Hawk Down type type. Uh, um, I I would hate to call it because it wasn't a parody. These are extremely serious no, like, artistic, were... you know, creative endeavors. And so that at one point Stone there man. was yeah, we uh, we had. Um, 
because we obviously weren't really, you know, pretty low budget, and we also weren't going to be able to use real, even mock firearms or whatever. So there was a point at the end where there was, I think, some sort of hostage rescue situation, and then we are rolling out. So we have about three people leaning out of the side of a, uh, of a like turtle green Ford Windstar, um, <laughs> that's like going at about I don't know, fifteen twenty miles an hour. And, you know, people are leaning out with paintball guns, laying down some sort of covering fire or something. I, I don't completely understand. That's the scene that's sort of burned in my head, along with uh, my older brother getting pushed into an electric fence on accident. I have to admit, like, I remember Isaac's enthusiasm about us managing to get a decapitation on camera and then us <laughs> electrocuting Andrew. Like, yeah, those right. were the two high points of everything we did in film. <laughs> so. That was that was actually – that was um, – that was uh, method acting on Andrew's part. You know, he it was accident. It was called accidental method acting. So the idea with being that you know we would get this reaction from him getting shot. Well, he gets shot, and then he accidentally falls into the uh, like what was it the uh, circuit? It, like he leaned against the circuit thing of this electric no, fence around my, the trash cans. Yeah, or, my dad had put an electric fence around the trash cans, and he bumped into it. I actually remember. Mm-hmm. I can't. I think. Because it was our camera, me and Steven, I think we're doing the editing on that. I actually remember slowing down, like, we actually slowed down and we really milked Andrew, <laughs> kind of screaming and collapsing when he hit that fence. Like, right. it was it was dramatic. The agony. Uh, it, it, that could, I mean, I could theoretically see that going down in film history with, like, the guy who, um, I'm trying to remember, it was in Die Hard, when the guy, like, falls off the, uh, like, he falls <laughs> off the roof or whatever. And apparently, yeah. when they did that take, they didn't actually, they were going to, like, count to three, and they dropped him at one or whatever. So you're, <laughs> so the reaction that you get is this very, like, real, you know, this real sense of, like, horror at what's happening. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> all that's to say. Um, so we grew up kind of doing this, and James and I, actually, we've we've had sort of an oddly... A kind of an oddly synchronized uh, set of life circumstances. Uh, I went to school, so he and I both went to school in the Dallas area. Yep. Then uh, we both ended up moving to Ohio um, on the same weekend, actually. Yes. Or like it was like a week apart or something. So you, so like you had you. Had, I think we took mattresses up, or did I put a mattress in your moving vehicle or something? Yeah, I think we we had a van. Uh, yeah. We had rented a Kinski truck or whatever, and we took your mattress right. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then managed to just completely avoid you for like five oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that was, and actually, it's also you know a great segue because I think it took me like six months to get the mattress. And, yeah. But it wasn't necessarily because I was like, oh, I need to get this thing. It was because we were both pretty inclined at the time to uh, put off any type of like keeping in touch or in like regular contact with each other so yeah. it was just a situation it was just one of those situations where you think like oh yeah i should call that person and talk to them because it's you know it's a lot of fun um always a good time and then it's six months later and you're like ah shit yeah <laughs> didn't do that. this is awkward uh, yeah so and actually this so so here we are, are now a little older a little wiser and uh this this recording was precipitated on another one of those events where it was like six months and we're like okay so so we talked, and uh, I'd mentioned that we were doing this little project, and uh, surprisingly, it's only been, what, like two weeks since we talked or something? Yeah, no, dude, this is that? The, the most we've been in contact. Right. I think actually I saw your mom more in Ohio than I saw you. Like, 
Oh, okay. Did Seriously? you see her recently? Like she was up there a couple weeks ago or something. No, but like she she drove up uh, that car that Hannah and I bought, and like I, that was actually like, the the most I I saw her more than and like than I did for you in like two years, <laughs> 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 which is funny because she was just dropping off. Yeah. Like, yeah, nice. But, uh, uh, that that reminds me that. Uh, I am gonna I, I am gonna be up for in a few weeks for a friend's wedding, so we need to we need to like work something out there. Oh, definitely. Like, we should grab. Yeah. yeah. Or not, so, and just like not talk to each other. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I memorize. I might might throw our groove off then. <laughs> yeah. Kill the podcast or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, this thing I'm this thing is gonna be dead on arrival anyway, so <laughs> you might yeah. as well just embrace well, it. Dude, you I, know, I might stop showing up. <laughs> so our so our topic today. Um, so James and I, we the the reason why we wanted to kind of talk is because anytime we talk, we actually have a, we actually kind of have different I think different points of view yeah. about a lot of different things, but it always ends up being kind of very in my opinion very illuminating and uh, like fun discussion um, because it's sort of hard to find people that are like interested in a lot of different things and like wanting to talk about a lot of different things. I'm not sure exactly why that is, but yeah. Um. Yeah, it's been, I, I think, particularly outside, like, the collegiate atmosphere. Like, it was really odd, like, leaving school and, like, a lot of community initiative being, like, my church and then, like, my coworkers. And I'm not sure if it's just, like, the different people or they're in different parts of life or whatever, but, like, there's definitely a narrowing of what people are interested in discussing. And then I think, yeah, uh, yeah. and so it's, it's always refreshing to you find somebody you're, you're talking to and like there's like oh we can go anywhere with this conversation right and, uh, yeah yeah so the particular venue that we did want to talk about and we'll, we'll kind of go into our, our political orientations um but we're, we're going to talk about the 2016 elections which it's hard to it's hard to i think avoid that topic if you live in the u.s so we're going to do a little 2016 2018 and 2020 it's going to be – I don't know how exactly how much it's actually going to be about electoral politics. I don't know if it's going to really be uh, – we have a very loose structure to it. But we're going to – so if you want to go ahead and start, we could go ahead and talk about – just give kind of a brief idea of our political orientation so people kind of get yeah. a sense of where we're at. So if you want to start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think like knowing that political labels and nutshells collapse almost immediately after you actually start – going through like what people think uh i i say starting from the position of uh, libertarian and uh, have been oh wait you're a libertarian i'm a libertarian i'm one of those people right. although Fuck I, I, you <laughs> i will get to a point where i there are a few notable differences that oh, okay great. i think most libertarians would find very infuriating um, yeah but uh i think also what's interesting is paying genesis both from um Starting from, I think both us in high school kind of inherited conservatism, kind of religious right winger positions from our parents, and <laughs> right. then at least the social, yeah, at least the social and cultural affect of conservatism, if not the yeah. actual politics of it, yeah, yeah, because I, I think about as soon as I started thinking politically, which I think was happening in 2008, like I left to go to school, mm. started paying attention to like the, uh, was it, I guess it was Obama and McCain at that point. Ron, Sarah Palin, God bless her. Um, yeah, and uh, so, sorry, yeah, I, I realize I, it's easy to like kind of 
think elections used to be better. I'm really realizing I think things has been shitty for a long time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I have to admit I am finding myself like reminiscing about like the Clinton years, which I don't remember at all. But like that was probably a pretty good presidency. I was going to say of. Clinton years. What would that have been like? Ninety two to ninety two to uh, two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. I, and yeah. So it would have been what three to. I mean, I would have been. It was like from three to. 12 or 11 or whatever. I'm just yeah. realizing they're kind of blessedly unremarkable. Like, with success. Well, to me. not at the time. The thing is that there are no, so it, many, there are so many things that came out of the Clinton years, though. Like, the, yeah. the, especially the political media, especially the, uh, hyper conservative or reactionary, like, political media, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world really, like, made their, you know, yeah, made their hey during the Clinton years. So. You realize, people realize that radio and the internet, drudge and stuff let them escape like being beholden to say educated uh <laughs> journalistic standards I think you mean fake the fake news are we talking about the yeah, fake news yeah, the fa- <laughs> yeah, i'm talking about fake news man uh god okay well we're getting all okay uh to bring it maybe a bit back around sure yeah so we kind of both came to this position um uh, 2008 kind of the moment i started thinking maybe a bit more analytically about politics i moved pretty pretty directly into libertarianism as opposed to conservatism, which I wouldn't actually ever say I was like, I think in like in a, like a conservative in a sense where I check, I personally held conservative views. I think I really had just kind of inherited them and like, like was accepting them based on like parental and cultural, um, right. just precedents and stuff. <clears throat> back but, when uh, your yeah, parents but, were, uh, back when your parents were, uh, you know, just completely unassailable, you know, back when your parents yes. were really, really smart about stuff. Yeah. And dang it all, they sent me to college and it all <laughs> fell apart. No, um, yeah. And so then 2008 kind of just transitioned to, into being libertarian and a base of state and that policy wise and that camp sense. Although I think since then, I think one big shift has been, uh, I think early on it was a bit of a belligerent, like I want to be left alone kind of libertarianism, like very much kind of, I think motivated by like, an anti-government sentiment. Like yeah, an anarcho-capitalist like, kind of... Yeah, like a, the government doesn't have this right to do these things or to be this present in my life and stuff. And then yeah. kind of a couple years ago, reading uh, some stuff by Tolstoy and just kind of... Um, oh gosh, I need to find his name. Uh, basically, just kind of rerouting the same kind of policy preferences, but in a more like, kind of pacifist, non-violent perspective mm, where it's not yeah. we're gonna I, I retain the idea that the government has a very limited right over people um but but i think also i didn't realizing that's a more uh more an issue of like when violence is appropriate and when it isn't um and the politics is basically like the ethics of applied violence is kind of uh, reading some works i kind of out redefining in those terms and that that's what sets the state apart from other organizations is that the state is the people we let do violence um, without saying they're breaking the law or do something unethical, um, ideally. Um, and so, and kind of staying in that camp, and I would say one big thing that, like, would not align with, I have not actually ever heard a libertarian take this per, this position, is, uh, like, if you look at the Libertarian Party platform, like the planks and stuff, their environmental uh positions are just like they just are entirely 
nonsensical if you if you accept their positions on private property. Like yeah. the libertarians <laughs> will let you loot the hell out of everything, even yeah. though that makes no sense if you believe in property rights, because very obviously property rights would get in the way of people dumping chemicals in your local rivers and stuff like that, unless they actually bought the whole river and they have them. So, <laughs> right. um, so I would say that's something. From what I can tell, there's yeah. like, I remember watching, um, not to get you too sidetracked, but I remember watching these the debates with who is the uh, who is the um, most prominent libertarian in the last election? It was uh, uh, Gary Johnson. And Gary Johnson. Yeah, Bill I remember Weld watching was more infamous, but he was the VP. So. <laughs> I just remember watching. I feel like Bill Weld was the, interesting. The, uh, I remember watching this like debate that was happening, and uh, from what I can tell, so Gary Johnson, he Gary Johnson was probably um, it, just from the short the videos that I was watching uh, was the most uh, level-headed of the entire group because it seemed like everyone else basically just wanted to be able to like drive an M1 Abrams like <laughs> on completely unlicensed <laughs> like that's like that it seemed to be like the their like sole pursuit was to like figure out how to drive a car without a license or how yeah. to like uh, yeah how, how can uh, I just totally get the government to basically not exist in my life nor Normally, letting me do some really stupid things. Right. Yeah. It's like it's. It, I, anyway. So, but you can go and continue. No. continue yeah. Your thoughts, so, right? I, I, yeah. So that's well. That's that's basically it. I would again kind of say so. Like, if you were going to find like a modern word that could be most closely associated with, it'd probably be libertarian. But uh, mm. I realize I'm adding to the to the future episodes. I think there could be a really interesting and very amusing discussion of. Uh, libertarianism and the libertarian party in particular because I mean, yeah absolutely. john mcafee almost was our uh was almost the the presidential nominee which is pretty that's when you know your political party is pretty damn exciting now so, is this is this but, mcafee of the uh, map makers uh mcafee or is this a different this McAfee? is mcafee of uh the antivirus program that has which, uh, <laughs> which yeah. is on every which is uh well this okay. is the guy. He is this the guy who is like in videos where he's like doing coke and yes, stuff. Like doing, he's like yeah, gotcha. He did okay. coke with yeah. like a bunch of uh, with a bunch of like tech, with a bunch of tech guys or something. Well, um, well, no, he's also done some. Yeah, no, he, okay, he's done coke in a couple different videos in various situations, <laughs> some shadier than not. Yeah, he also I think ran to Brazil for a while. Like cute. For, I think he was like a person interested in a murder case or something too. Like. <laughs> Like he a true in, libertarian. <laughs> he's a true fucking libertarian, my right. friend. Uh, I think he was actually number two at the convention, I think, in terms of uh, votes for the presidential position. But then boring old Gary won out, which, uh, yeah, Gary Johnson. That's really okay. surprising, actually. You think that you think that the libertarians, uh, it says something that they would be, that they wouldn't be uh, um, compelled by the Trump-like figure of, you know, a person who just is completely brazen and, and does pretty much whatever they want to. Says whatever they want to. Yeah, you know. no, again, we'll circle. But there, there's, I, I think, I, I would say libertarianism, despite being like three percent of the electorate, is just as diverse. Like when you say somebody's libertarian, that's says as little as saying somebody's a Democrat or Republican at this point. Like there, right, there's yeah. a lot going on there, and uh, it'll it'll be fun to look at at some point or in future. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the uh, last. Yeah. Part of the. Would be, and I know it'll get, we'll have some other discussions more about this, but I think also, um, at least I came from a, a pretty dang conservative 
Southern Baptist like religiosity and uh, have less concrete views on religion than I do politics. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not there now, and I've definitely moved, if you're going to put it on a spectrum, which is so lame, leftward. Um, oh, wow. But I've, I've moved definitely away from the religious right, just because I think that'll be very relevant. Uh, not, so, not so much from the religious right, but from evangelicalism. I think, again, right. that's, that'll be, that that gives some background to, I know at some point, Ideally, we will discuss oh, this right and Trump because that is a yeah, very interesting. Uh, I think that'll have to come topic. up with our when we talk about Trump and, and family politics because, especially coming from the backgrounds that we both have, it's it's uh, it is definitely. I mean, um, especially miracle, for me. Man. So you are not living; you're living across the country from your parents. I'm living extremely close with my parents as of now, and uh, so I'm having pretty much daily interactions with um, with. Uh, you know, Trump supporters, and uh, I'm very in the, uh, I'm very close to it, and so <laughs> we're, that's definitely going to have to come up with the the odd combination of, um, yeah, Trump, the religious right, um, especially when it comes to evangelical Christians, we'll definitely have to talk about that. Um, so for me, to talk about my political orientation, which I actually like the, I, I, I was trying to come up with a good word for that, because political belief didn't really sound uh didn't really come across the right way to me for some reason um i think orientation seemed to be better because for me personally my so for me a lot of my pods really didn't start until uh i would say really starting to think through things in about 2014 2015 um so in the I think probably right before the primaries really started heating up uh, for the 2016 election. Because um, before that, I was really, I think that I didn't care about politics, um, especially electoral politics, in the sense that I was not, it, I was not uh, directly, I know it's just something that really wasn't on my mind. I think in the 2008 election, I remember going to, going to a watch party with a couple friends from college and um i had made a uh uh i had made a ron paul cake or something like i made a cake and then i wrote out like uh he was running in, tw- in 2008 right it was 2008 yeah 2008 yeah so i i made this and 12 uh, and 12 you ran yeah 12. so i <laughs> like made this and like iced this chocolate cake with this uh you know ron paul uh ron paul 2008 thing because at the time the actually, and it's actually the only election that I voted in. That was the last election that I voted in. It was two thousand eight, um, which that may come up again. Most of it, it's not super interesting. It's mainly because I'm incredibly lazy and uh, moving from state to state um, hasn't been <laughs> great for that. So, but in two thousand eight, I voted for Ron Paul. Uh, so we got the libertarian candidate there, and then I on a high note. So there you go. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wrote in. Um, I wrote in Chuck Norris for the VP because for some reason that just struck me as being really funny. Um, and then, you know, since then, I wrote, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, I think Chuck Norris, that was like back when Chuck Norris stuff was funny. Like he was part of the, the cultural zeitgeist, at least like on the, on the internet at that point. So, um, kind of glad I did that then and I'm not doing that now. 
uh, I feel I feel uh, better about it. But uh, speaks speaks more to you. Yeah. yeah so uh, and I remember the people that I was with were all very they were all very conservative. One of the guys who's my who was my college roommate um, was he's actually currently a he's a he's the a managing editor for a large Christian uh, magazine. Uh, international christian magazine here and we'll have to we'll have to have him on at some point um because he would be he's very he's very uh he's a good talker but uh he was i remember him being devastated by the outcome with obama getting elected and how like crestfallen he was personally and at the time i just i felt like i was just like oh that sucks i don't know like i mean i guess i was theoretically I was uh, sort of theoretically conservative, but had really no understanding of the policy. I was still working within the, uh, like, sort of the linguistic framework of government being, um, like, a slur, I think, to a certain extent. So if you just said, just the idea of government was something that uh, I cringed at, which I still kind of remember, like, so it sort of makes sense now talking to people. And when and I see that come, I see that kind of come up, and I see the reaction to it, and I realize okay, I'm gonna have to change the language with how I, with how I talk, and that's something that I actually I started doing, um, you know, back during the 2016 stuff was figuring out how to, figure out how to yeah. actually try to try to bridge that gap with people. But at the time, I didn't have any discernible politics, and it really, the getting into it was actually for me started with foreign policy. Um, it was a combination. I started reading. I started reading stuff that's more sort of uh, like uh, ecological um, writings, essays. So I, it started out with reading uh, like Wendell Berry, um, just kind of stum- like stumbling upon different things. So coming from this sort of this Christian background that, that exposed me to different points of view about even just the way that you could rethink. Um, yeah you know, sort of rethink how you, the application of your own religious beliefs. And then from there, I sort of moved on to really reading a lot about the Middle East, um, reading, uh, mostly a lot of it was, uh, like Robert Fisk's books, which I think I suggested one of them to you, or I did I give it, I think I got Andrew one of his books. Yeah. Um, uh, you've suggested he's, he was the re- long-time reporter in uh, Israel, right? Right. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah. He, yeah so there, his his one of his one of his largest works. I don't know if it's technically his largest, but uh, the Great War for Civilization was sort of covering his covering his perspective on a number of different conflicts in in Lebanon, um, in Israel Palestine. Covering. I think he actually started during the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. So he's been he's been reporting on things for a long time. But it was my first exposure to um something which I, it would be interesting to go back and read it now because it's been a, it's been a few years but to see exactly how uh leftist it actually was versus just <laughs> kind of this because in in the u.s we really there is the spectrum that we have of of political conversation is almost i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're watching fox or msnbc or whatever um it's almost completely uh non-critical of of the u.s state from a foreign policy perspective um and also like pretty pretty like right on economics and almost anything else and 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 pretty and almost completely unintellectual in the sense like that there's no that it's it's it is entertainment like i i was watching this um this newscast of uh have you have you uh have you heard or read any slavo zizek 
Um, uh, I've read a few essays. Yeah. He's the, uh, the Marxist. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, there was this, I was I've watching his this. I've never heard it pronounced. I just make sure that's right. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was uh, watching this little clip that he did a couple days ago. It's just on YouTube watching this thing on this British uh, television show where it was like this. It was a news thing and it was like a 20 minute long segment diving into these topics that I was like, I, this is it was unbelievable that this thing existed then that this thing exists on this platform and we have nothing like it in the United States. No, like if you just watch question time on BBC or whatever, it is like, it's infuriating because then you think about like what our town halls look like, which don't happen frequently. And when they do their shit shows, Um, (laughs) yeah, no, it, Um, it, yeah, it, so true about state run television, the BBC does a really, a much better job than most, right. most outlets here. <laughs> well, it's like, it, I think it, in some ways, I'm from, from what I can tell and from what I've sort of heard more than been exposed to, that those, that it, that also exists on a pretty sharp spectrum. Like, you get a bunch of bullshit, like probably more bullshit in like the British media, but also at the same time, there is an allowance for more depth in a sense. Like, yeah. there's a, well, there's definitely a large reactionary, uh, you know, publications similar to like a New York post type thing that we would have here. Yeah. But, um, well, I think, I mean, I will probably get into some of the state of the media and stuff. But I think, I, I think that's actually an asset. I mean, like, I, I think if, I think here stuff exists in this really kind of deceptive, like pseudo bullshit level where it's a bit harder to watch the media and, and identify quite how asinine it is. Whereas I, I think if you look at European media, you, because it's just very chaotic and very adversarial. Like, <laughs> right. you, you you figure out what you're going to pick through and what you're not. I mean, right. and, I mean, you see, so you have your, your leftists and your right-wingers and stuff. But, I mean, I think you will get – there's a lot more voices there. And I think, yeah, the American media is pretty coalesced into I, – I mean, kind of a – American foreign policy is generally a, a good thing. Yeah, it's all pro, you know, sort of pro uh, intervention, pro empire, very kind of uh, hands off on on uh, criticism of you know corporate interests or policy. Kind of an interest in democracy, sort of, but mostly in kind of mostly in sort of this uh, broad patriotic language. It's all very basically non-threatening to the people that pay the bills for them. So. That's the. I think yeah, that's the main thrust. I think of it's it. it's really interested in just. It's actually interesting because I, I um, there's an essay. Uh, this is, I'm going to be better at this if we're going to do this more often. Um, it's by Singer or something like that. This is his name, okay, but it, yeah. it's basically a position of like he's. I think he was an Austrian school economist. And he it's his. It's an essay on why he's not a conservative. Um, mm. And it's interesting because reading from an American perspective, you, you realize that like American politics exists like only in this more moderate, slightly skewed right position. Like, oh yeah, there, we don't have conservatives in the European sense. We actually have like legit monarchists or people who like want a non to use like enlightenment terminology, a non-liberal society, like a non-free market society. Because like that, the traditional the European conservative actually is not like a free market here. But, um, but like in America, like your liberals are free marketers, your, your conservatives yeah. are free marketeers. It's all, like it's free you market. Trun- yeah. You have a truncated like political spectrum and like, so our conservatives aren't at, yeah, it, it's just very interesting. Like basically we, 
all American politics is done in this enlightenment context of like liberalism. Obviously, you've got this huge this huge disagreement on how big the welfare state's going to get and how exactly free we're going to be or not free and stuff. And so there's there's still a lot of diversity in there, right. but it, it, you're, you're missing like the far left that you would see in Europe and the far right. You would see the traditional far right, I guess. We do see like the radical far right, like we would see in Europe. But like you don't right. have you don't have monarchists or something like that running around. There's not there's not right. Tories. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, we also really don't have live options for like Marxist or who's not a workers' party or stuff like that. Like we don't have our Democrats aren't a full on equivalent to the Labour Party. Well, you see, like, we're gonna you see we're gonna probably get onto that in 2018 um, because you know I think we've got some real we got some real communists coming up in the ranks. No, we actually no I, no I not actually, actually not actually <laughs> no, but we're getting it. We're getting a shot of at least some some legit like. European style socialism, like yeah. social democrats. So yeah, so to uh, to kind of cap on this, I put brief next to this. Yeah, that <laughs> this obviously it, none this of this is going to be brief, and it is going to be what it is. But um, so <laughs> so my so um, sort of getting so it came into it from a from a, a foreign policy and sort of ecological perspective, and then I don't remember exactly what got me what got me into reading. Um, sort of a kind of getting a materialist Marxist socialist perspective. I think it was realizing because what I started doing was kind of like I'd, I'd pick a book and read it and then find somebody that was mentioned in the book and kind of be like, okay, I'll find that. I, I was just at a point yeah. in my life where I was like, okay, I, I had kind of, um, I felt like I'd sort of like stopped reading or stopped kind of being involved in, in this way. Um, kind of stopped learning a little bit like out of college. I mean, I was learning about, I mean, I was learning, but like from this very particular perspective of, starting to mm-hmm. read more, uh, sp- like specifically reading books and stuff. So, um, uh, that, and so it was kind of around, uh, the rise of the, uh, the rise of Mr. Bernard Sanders, um, and the kind of coming up, uh, also listening to, listening to some podcasts, listening to, to, uh, Chapo Trap House and, um, that kind of becoming, getting into that sort of web of things and becoming more and more, um, aware of the uh kind of aware of the the different arguments um and talking more from a from a uh material and economic perspective about mm-hmm. explanations for explanations for why things happen which i think up until that point i didn't need to have a unified theory because i didn't care but then i came it came to a point where um it like came to a point where i realized especially with the rise of trump that I was like, oh, actually, I do need to have a lens through which to, you know, get a sense of how to understand the world, especially in a political sense. Like, I guess that's what politics kind of is, sort of. It's trying to come up with a unified, some sort of unified theory. And so to me, um, to me going through it, it I, I sort of felt like it was like a Paul on the road to Damascus kind of situation. Like, it sort of felt like my eyes were open to this my eyes are open to the possibilities of, you know, what a more, what a democratic socialist, um, what an empowered, uh, what an empowered democracy would look like if we brought, you know, uh, if we brought elements of democracy into the workplace, which up until that point, I didn't actually understand the sort of, uh, the power dynamic that is, that existed within my own workplace. Like the idea that, Things don't necessarily have to be like the the um, the sort of owner manager worker relationship that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had accepted as a given. And so I didn't necessarily understand like, well, why does this, this is kind of rubbing me the wrong way. Um, uh, Although from my perspective, I working, so I also work in web development and it's has, I think has a particular, there's sort of a particular privilege to it that, you know, it's, it wasn't the hardest thing for me to like find a job and to do kind of different things because it is, it's like, you know, it's It's STEM, it's STEM related. So, um, but that, uh, but just seeing and hearing the stories of different people who are in positions where they're working, um, where they're, you know, working retail jobs and they're in poverty, you know, they're doing like listening to stories about people, people's material conditions and realizing, oh, like this is not, and, and, and seeing, you know, reading more about, uh, wealth inequality and how these different power dynamics play out and realizing oh, actually like we don't need to do this this is just the way that a very small number of people have basically taken over um taken over uh the wealth and taken over the actual you know governing structures um and so i am a i i don't i don't know the, the exactly the word for it um, but it leans more toward democratic socialism. I admittedly am not like I am very interested in it from a U.S. perspective and kind of trying to get more of an understanding of a of the sort of international the with the understandings of the international left. Um, so I've been reading uh, and listening to to stuff, you know, talking talk about Brexit and things. And I eventually we'll we'll kind of talk about that. That's uh, we have to touch on Brexit at some point. That's yeah, absolutely. From a, so, a detached perspective, that's hilarious. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, I mean, I I know. So, like, I, for instance, I was at a, I was at a, a Texas Roadhouse with a couple a couple friends, and it, m- most of whom are decidedly apolitical, um, or I think when they they talk about politics, I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised by people's perspectives. Um, cause, cause for the most part, I assume that people are apolitical if they don't want to talk about politics or they don't ever bring it up. But I was at a, and actually, do you remember Logan Holloway? Yeah. So I was eating with, uh, I was with Isaac, my younger brother, and then Logan and his girlfriend, we were at Texas Roadhouse. Um, and just out of the blue, he was like, so like, what's, what's, what's up with Brexit? <laughs> I was like, depressing uh, concern of our times in texas so. well it's the thing is it's <laughs> such a funny is such a funny thing for him to say because i had no idea where it came from like where did these where do these things come from for the most part i actually avoid talking about politics with people that i people that i get a sense don't care because one it's not particularly illuminating um, yeah. although sometimes it can be sometimes it can be really interesting but also i try to avoid talking about things that i'm really interested in because i think it can come across as kind of like grading or like annoying you know like like for instance i i don't talk about listening to chapo even though i really enjoy it i don't tell people like to listen to it um unless it something like very specific comes up where i'm like oh actually they did this thing about this and so you might be interested in it um like the friend who i talked about 9-11 with uh they had just uh, just recently recorded an episode about conspiracy theories um and it was like one of those things where it's like okay like you know listen to it but for the most part i don't i don't really share it because i'm also in the uh i'm also in probably the maybe not the deepest red place but definitely getting there part of like a part of the country in uh, east texas uh 
for those yeah. who don't know Longview, uh, Louis Gomert is our uh, Louis Gomart is our uh, the representative here, and he is the guy who is uh, decidedly uh, pro-Trump. You'll probably see him a lot on Fox News, um, talking shit about uh, immigrants and everything else. He's he's become sort of a he he's a he's a minor celebrity in his own right with the uh, with the far right. So uh, anyway, so that's kind of uh, yeah political orientations. So you're kind of a a libertarian. I'm a uh, democratic socialist. We can call At it the that. End of this, we'll, we'll have to kill each other, but you know, but we'll we'll have a good podcast till we get there. Well, see, that's that's why I think it's that's why I think it's been fun because I've had surprisingly a lot of friends that I've talked to because I, you know, in the last in the last like five years, a lot of the relationships and the the people that I were talking to, they were actually also libertarians, but it was not it was decidedly not uh, necessarily an intellectual libertarianism it was more yeah. of a reflexive and also like hyper uh christian evangelical brand yeah. of it i i do feel like there's a lot of it became very passe for a while for like it was like the way to be a conservative while having some intellectuality about it, it was like to it was yeah it was a way to be left alone and pretend it's out of principle rather than just you want to be left alone <laughs> <laughs> right so, so yeah. i had i would have almost all of my political so in my sort of burgeoning uh my my burgeoning um my burgeoning communism um the uh, all almost all of it was coming from coming from other places coming from impersonal sources uh coming from people that i didn't know and I was spending a lot of time sort of listening and reading things from people that, you know, otherwise I would have no personal connection to. But all my conversations were with people who were like, uh, you know, libertarians. And it was incredibly frustrating just because we came to a point where it's like, look, we disagree. Like we disagree on a conceptual level and there's really no point in hashing things out because there's yeah. not – there wasn't a language to – there wasn't a language to bridge it. There weren't a ton of people who were like – incredibly pro-Trump like I had to I had to move back to Texas to get yeah. some of those people um, but uh, so so the reason why we're kind of doing this uh, is because you know anytime we've talked despite having different conceptual understandings there's a uh, there's kind of been an understanding that it's not you know that it's not personal and I've always found it to be yeah. interesting I'm obviously looking forward to canceling you uh, at any <laughs> point so uh, you do need to watch what you say because you know I'm I like you might be fucked I don't know like I'll yeah I don't know we'll find out I uh, will dox you if something bad happens <laughs> or if I look bad if I say something that's wrong um, I will not hesitate to basically to Make end you so but we can <laughs> and actually like this, a good communist, this so. is a, <laughs> yeah you're going straight to the gulag. Um, <laughs> And this is might actually be a good way to segue into this first point. Uh, I feel like we're going to talk for about six hours at this current rate, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm almost surprised we're going to have an introductory podcast episode, and then we'll we'll see yeah, how far this, we get. This into will, yeah, this will be. We might. We'll, we'll see if we can cruise politics. through this stuff. But um, and actually, this is a very good segue, uh, considering we're talking about gulags and murder. Um, how would you describe the current political state in the U.S.? <laughs> 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 what do you think? I mean, I guess if I, I mean, I'm just going to give you the one word answer, then go from there. I, I would just say very disappointing. I mean, like I, I realize this is in one sense, it's not a particularly bleak time, like in American politics. And that like, I, I think mm. kind of what we're talking about. Like a about, Steven where, Pinker type thing where it's like, look, everyone, 
look, you know, everyone has a, uh, yeah, I, everyone I has an iPad, so things must be actually be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would, I think you definitely bifurcate. Like, I, I think if you look at the economy and stuff and like, or maybe, you know, economy, the standard of living, I mean, obviously just because technology we're currently at the highest standard of living people would be, but I mean, next year will be at a higher standard of living. Um, I, I think if you're just thinking like politics, which I think involves, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sub sub field of ethics. Um, and, uh, if you just look at like what, what American politics looks like, it's just like in the gutter. Like it, it's just, it's not an intellectual, there's nothing intellectual about it. There's nothing in good faith about it. It's, I think yeah. mainstream politics is just really adversarial and, uh, yeah. And just divide off by the parties. And that's basically it. I think you've seen like the GOP, if there's anything good, I think it's like the GOP has kind of pseudo collapsed. Um, I actually kind of, I think that there's not really, I think that they're going to have to when Trump either loses this election or finishes up his terms, the GOP is going to have to recreate an identity for themselves. Because I think at this point you've got like it's it's too obvious there's not any sort of actual ideological underpinning there anymore. Uh, I, I mean, because Trump is not conservative in any of like the storied American conservative ways, other than maybe like some of the kind of anti-immigration stuff. But I think even then, like that wasn't really a big conservative thing until recently. Um, I, I think that that could be good like kind of that that collapse and the fact that there's a, a fracture fracturing there uh yeah i wish i was kind of hoping actually to see after the 2016 election the democrats maybe do a bit of the same thing i think there's maybe a little bit going on with like the new kind of far left like where there's actually there's some adversary within the party and that'll be better for the party yeah. um uh, the gop it remains to be seen whether they'll they'll come out the better for it but i think it and if they don't come out the better for it, at least they'll be like severely weakened, and that could be ideal. Well, um, the thing is, though, that, that I, from my perspective, it, the the 2016 thing for some reason the thing that came the thing that came to my mind was the in Calvin and Hobbes the uh, transmogrifier, the <laughs> the box that people would go in, and so I wonder now because with the rise of Trump, especially during that the, during the the primary where you had these guys who were supposed to be the according to the media the front runners you had the the Marco Rubios the Ted Cruz's um, these the Jeb Bushes for God's yeah. sake like these these people coming in and just getting murked one by one and then it felt like at a certain point because that was also the talking point during 2016 was this idea of a fracture within the within the the Rep- Republican Party um and yet it felt afterward that it actually that it it was actually like a transmogrification of the actual voting base into the uh into the person of Trump like yeah. into the into the affect and into the politics of basically just um like uh I don't I don't know exactly the right word for it it's just like this sort of uh, intense anger and rage, uh, yeah. politics of hate, possibly, and so it felt like, um, so it's so it feels it felt like instead of the GOP fracturing, instead, in some ways maybe it's either the true colors of people coming out where they're he's able to like channel this 
libidinal rage that people were feeling um, into hatred towards, uh, you know, immigrants and into all these other really, like, regressive and hateful things toward, um, you know, uh, toward uh, the people who are not, you know, material advantaged already in our system. Um, So it kind of felt like, I guess, like, did they actually fracture or did everyone just become was everyone already Trump supporters in the first place, you know, and it just, they needed some sort of, they needed the curtain to drop. They needed some sort of reason to just be completely gloves off, you know, I think, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I think there was a fracturing of like the Republican voter base from like the Republican, I guess, party establishment. Like, cause I think you had all those candidates and all their, I mean, you had all the analysts and all of the, the people in the actual GOP, like they're not the voters, but like, the people strategizing and running the GOP who were not planning on Trump. Trump didn't align with any of their objectives, good and bad. Like, I, I think those guys, I think you saw that split where, I mean, it would be like the Democrats all of a sudden just deciding that Nancy Pelosi was out and they were just going to, I mean, which again, they're actually kind of going through a little bit of that, but it's not nearly as catastrophic as like right. the GOP had of Trump. But like, I think you had that. I, I think, what you did see, I think actually more in the election, the liability was the GOP voter base was much more unified and identified much more strongly with not being Democrat than they identified, or not being Hillary, than they identified with being Republican. <laughs> right. and I think what's, yeah. what's really, honestly, so at the time, I will confess it did not concern me so much because I'm not saying like I would you identify. You assume that Trump would lose. Well, I mean, even honestly, even when Trump won, I, I still wasn't too concerned because I was yeah. like, well, I mean, he was running against Hillary, who I know from a conservative perspective is just about the worst thing you could have. I, I guess what has <laughs> See, been that's, disappointing. That's is, an interesting idea, too, whether that's actually the case. Well, no, I'm, not, I'm saying, for, again, with a caveat from their perspective. Um, oh, okay, gotcha, cause yeah, because yeah, actually I don't think that. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually don't think that really correlates too well with reality but uh yeah but from their perspective that was a that was just not an option so i I do realize that they would vote for i mean anybody short of like satan if they i mean to not vote for hillary but i think what's what has been disappointing since then is seeing the electorate like the the gop rank and file a lot of them elect trump and then seeing them like rally around it that has I actually don't think they ever say were that enthused about him when he was just running. I think he was literally just the guy who wasn't Hillary and that was all they needed. I, I do think there was there are minor there were minorities even then who were excited about the stuff Trump was proposing, but I think a lot of them were just like, This is our guy because we just can't have Hillary. I think what's been really sad since then is to defend Trump and to defend their choices. Like I mean, we have relatives up here who will like defend I mean like what were Democrat policies 10, 15 years ago and able to defend them tooth and nail because Trump is supporting them now and just not acknowledge that they're not even remotely conservative or Republican anymore. And like, and again, we'll get into it just right, but I mean, there's just this enormous circling the wagons around Trump that has really, I think, led a lot of people to become much more like Trump than they probably were when they were voting for him just because he wasn't Hillary. Uh, and that, that's been... I, the only upset of that is the people who did that are not really the brains of the Republican Party. And so I actually don't think they're going to get too far once Trump loses or is out of office. I just don't think there's there's the yeah. intellectual route there for them to to keep this momentum as like a far right 
Republican right. Party. I think they'll when Trump is no longer an option for them. I think this they'll well, yeah. bitch and stuff, and but I think there's a decent chance they could they could wither away and be pretty ineffectual. Um, so you think that you think that it will you think that it will become. Uh, at least uh, th- that things will be tempered at least. And, you know, the, Just, yeah, the never Trumpers, the never Trump people now will finally, you know, come back oh. into power or some sort of prominence or something. Well, I mean, I think if they do come back into, I'm not sure they're going to come back into power. I mean, that's why I do think there's a legit like, a, a chance where the GOP could be in for like a good decade or so where they've just lost so much power and, and unity over Trump. But I, even though the numbers are with the Trump supporters as opposed to the never Trumpers, I think the never Trumpers are the guys with the expertise and the brains largely. And so I think, I mean, just just pragmatically, they're they're the strategists, they're the analysts, they're the guys who right. like, win elections with you if you don't have a fluke. Well, like Trump. To, um, the thing the thing though is that like really, despite the fact, I and mean, this is just a function of. I mean, just a function of electoral politics and the way that, you know, our, the way that our political system is currently established, but it's like you have a, you have a turnover when it comes to the actual, um, when it comes to the politicians, but you don't really have a, you know, I mean, during, during the election. And so you'll see a turnover during a presidential election in their direct staff and in, you know, uh, judicial positions and different things like that. But for the most part, the the people that are actually kind of creating the policy that is yeah. like the lobbyists, the, the think tanks, the bureaucrats, the um, I mean, in this in this case, you have the Mitch McConnell's and the Paul Ryan's of the world that are basically they have their policies and they have their interests. And so yeah. for them, the, the presidential election was really about trying to figure out exactly, you know, which which horse is going to pull the wagon, so to speak. Like, yeah. who's going to be able to get these, to get these, uh, their ideas across the finish line. And I think that when it came down to it, especially with especially with McConnell, who, in my opinion, is probably uh, the like the worst fucking like person alive i don't know like not i mean he's an absolute piece of shit in my opinion he's got a, he's got a great turtle face though man uh, he's just yeah extremely punchable face too but i think in my, in my opinion with you know as trump came through the ranks there's probably a realization at some point i mean obviously the the, the republican establishment they wanted a rubio figure you know they wanted one of these people that that was going to be in the mold of a i don't know and Maybe not a George W., but an H.W. or something. They wanted somebody who was going to be, you know, uh, relatively moderate as far as their affect and their yeah. language and things. But they thought that that would be the person that, you know, that that's basically what the intellectuals and what the uh, what the the people were kind of holding the purse. That's what they thought they would get. But as Trump sort of came through. And they realize there's actually a ton of energy that's being marshaled by him basically just uh, being the anti-Hillary candidate, but also just um, <clears throat> giving people giving people a, a way to channel their like rage. I think at their own material conditions, um, I, that would be my perspective. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's that they realize at a certain point they're like, we're gonna have to make a deal with the devil yeah. um, to get these. You know, because Trump ultimately, I mean, and we'll, 
you know, I'm sure this will come again and again, but I don't think that if he's, he's been described as this like fascist figure, um, who is like, you know, somehow this, uh, you know, the mastermind behind the, you know, absolute destruction of, um, you know, the destruction of anything progressive in U S politics or, you know, uh, or in the U S economy. Um, but actually I think he's just like, uh, I think he just is kind of what he is. Like he's just this. Like I think transparently, yeah. sort of a uh, racist uh, TV show host who is like, who is actually. I would love to have a figure like a Trump of the left. I would love to have a figure like him, someone who could actually who because I don't think Bernie's not it. Bernie's Bernie is not a charismatic person, especially he's just kind of like an old man who is who believes things but i kind of wonder like what that would look like to have someone who was able to sort of channel that channel the same sort of energy but actually into things that uh were not extremely hateful and destructive and just like uh you know so so to me um it felt like the intellectuals and the 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 lobbyists the um you know all of the bureaucrats basically it didn't matter who was who was in charge it was really just who was gonna who was gonna get across so but to, to describe, so I guess the current, yeah, I mean, to, I, I guess I, I do agree with you in a lot of sense. I think the current political state in the U.S. is, is right now, uh, to describe it in kind of one phrase, like the gloves are off, in a sense. Um, yeah, I do from, think At least people, from a, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I would say, um, I, I feel like people, I feel like our generation and not not our generation in terms of age, but like I think this moment in time, people are feeling like the stakes are higher, higher than ever. Like in politics, which Ryan, um, again, I, I mean, if you look at like American, I mean, that's not a unique moment in history to feel that way. I mean, that people, people feel like that, like they were at some sort of deciding moment in the country's future. And a lot of times you, you aren't to the degree you think you are. But I do feel like, yeah, the, people have this idea yeah. that like, the gloves are off, that um, that we've got a lot riding on what we decide to do now. Uh, I, I would say, to add to maybe nuance my position a bit more, what I said prior is like, I, I yeah, certainly like the GOP establishment, I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. And again, they're, they're the, the sharp, canny people in the party. So obviously they, they did their best they could of Trump. Um, I would say the thing is Trump is actually because Trump is a lightning rod because for the first time we're seeing not the first time but we're seeing a presidency where like it is very like it is in most people's eyes like it, or in the media's eyes and a lot of people's eyes it's very fair to be very adversarial to the towards the presidency I, I do think Trump is actually fortunately and blessedly less effectual than like just because he's not that competent, he's not that good at things. Like I think, like Trump. I, would be more I disagree. I think he's actually very good, but the things that he's very good at are things that uh, are things that you know, uh, you know, he's are not, things that intellectual people in the like sort of upper crust, yeah. you know, don't find to be that effective or interesting. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's true. I think I think Trump's big goal is just to perpetually be in headlines and so I, I think in that sense obviously he's doing a fantastic job i say so if you look at like i don't think he's actually that interested in policy i think he's just more interested oh, in being no i don't think that he could i i don't i i think that he could well i mean the 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 function of it and it's almost like something that has become that has become so normal as to constitute like a different sort of 
you know, a different s- stage of reality. But he basically exists in he exists within a, a paradox. Like his, yeah. I mean, his politics I think are are completely paradoxical. They shift from time to time. There was a point in time where the idea of hypocrisy being this like uh, would be Giant like the, gotcha. the stake yeah. in the heart. Yeah, to yeah. to these uh, to you know politicians, uh, especially like people running for for the presidency. That was like I think that especially the media used to function as this. The media used to function as this thing where they thought that they had this power to destroy people because they were being hypocrites, and now it's sort of yeah. revealed, like with the. And I mean, this could be the, this could be kind of the um, decentralization of of the media now, and the fact that people are not reading from the official the official sources. Yeah. Um, uh, that he's basically able to exist as this giant hypocritical, paradoxical figure. Who is just completely driven by? I mean, like what you said, you know, yeah. entertainment I mean, yeah. and this. I think, right. I think his. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's successful being a TV host. He's fortunately, I, you're right. Actually, I realize he may well be competent. He could be, may well be a competent politician if he wanted to be. I think actually he's really not that interested in being a particularly like. I don't think he's interested in being a politician who like drives yeah. through like major legislation like the that. Problem, I think he's more interested. The thing, yeah, the thing with the thing though, to I think to be a politician. Um, requires you to have object permanence, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that he has that. Um, yeah, like it requires him to basically blink, and then for the world to continue to exist, like while he's blinking. But then as soon as he like opens his eyes after the blink, you know, it feels like yeah. he's just you know in a completely different you know in a completely different world, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. Yeah. No. Definitely. I. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I will. I will give you the option that maybe he is. If you read any of Scott Adams' weird, oh. like <laughs> Trump is actually a genius kind of articles, uh, got, he is uh, Scott Adams is a recurring figure. I have not read it personally, but he's actually a recurring figure figure in a in the Chapo lore. Um, they have delved a lot into the Scott Adams stuff. I just I listened to the Sam yeah. the Sam Harris podcast with him, and it was it was okay. very interesting. I. I don't accept that. I do realize some people do. But I will give you the allowance that there's a small, small chance that maybe Trump is actually he's actually a genius. Yeah, <laughs> I would, honestly, actually, I don't think there's a chance of that. I think there's a chance that he is of average intelligence. I think in all likelihood there's senility or mental defects going on. But uh, oh, absolutely, but, he he definitely has. I don't know. He's definitely got Swiss cheese brain, but like, what can you, I, I, I don't know. He's very yeah. good. I think he recognized the one thing that other candidates, especially, especially, uh, the democratic party didn't recognize in that, like, uh, especially electoral politics have become progressively more and more a TV show, like a reality yes. show. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can basically have the best, um, the best traits of a person competing on a reality show, then that will actually trump any sort of like uh, any sort of intellectual or political Thank considerations you, or you know <laughs> any sort of cohesiveness. It is the um, it is the yeah. uh, what I, was uh, idiocracy like it, it basically yeah. is that like it's, he, he was the know. first guy to grasp just how stupid American politics. I mean, I, I think he he actually realized just how really dumb American politics had gotten, and I think actually. Which I was going to say to but his credit, is, that's a very well, nihilistic take. It's <laughs> it's it's like the thing is, I I think that there is a there's there's probably some fascinating psycho psychoanalytic you know uh, ideas 
to be to kind of mine. But I think if he, I don't think it's so much that he is that he is just aware of these sort of like the the uh, the hogs, so to speak, like the people, his Fox News audience. That he's basically like, I don't, I don't think he's actually existing within the intellectual paradox of being like, oh, I know that I'm just. I know that I'm just like giving these people what they want just to keep them in a frenzy. Like I no, think that he's yeah. actually completely unaware. Yeah, of I don't think there's a the, level the of awareness. Yeah, I, I think I think he actually was just literally like the right kind of moron for the moment. Like, right. I, I think what he happened, he didn't affect this because he's brilliant. This is actually just who he is, and it's what America was willing to be captivated yeah, by. It's like it's um, people that have no that have no like working memory. And yeah. so if in the, in the absence of any sort of – in the absence of memory, um, the only thing that you can be driven by is your own uh, – is your own like uh, these sort of ephemeral like feelings, um, like the rage that you feel or the despair that you feel. Like those are the types of things and they can – and those things, you know, as we see with Trump, they don't they – don't, um, they don't like become coherent political statements. Um they, although I mean, the, the it's it, we were talking about this before a couple weeks ago, but the only really like coherent political statement that came out, I mean, as far as I know, that came out of Trumpism, is the whole build the wall thing. It's like this, like that's the most. Yeah. If there's anything that Trump, you would say, looking back on, what did he stand for? Like that yeah. was sort of the one thing which is only has no, I mean. You could say it has some political bearings to it, but for the most part, it's driven just by malice. You know, like yeah, it's driven I mean, by it's, people who is fear, it's fear and, and rage. Yeah, um, I mean, certainly the way it's been presented and sold. I mean, it's it's not it's not part of some sort of border policy. It's part of just like the wall is two syllables, and it sounds good when I say it at a rally, and we're going to go with that. Um, right. Yeah. Um, no, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's something where, yeah, so in that sense, like, I, I would not, like, it was, that was kind of, Sam Harris was kind of probing Scott Adams on, like, where do you get this idea that, like, Trump is actually so smart that he's, like, willfully making himself this way, as opposed to, like, he has this weird canniness about him of being, like, a TV personality, and that's just what people wanted right now. And yeah. I would definitely err on the side of with Harris on that. But like, I don't think there's, I, I don't think there's a genius mind. I think Trump is just sadly, to everybody's discredit, what the right person <laughs> for the right time to win the election. Um, yeah, well, and that's and that's part of our. I mean, I think we're actually tackling these topics that are we're coming across this organically, which is pretty good. Going through the structure that we have for 2016, um, the, I mean, the. Uh, yeah, the, the sort of explanations on people's part about whether or not Trump is a whether or not Trump is actually this uh, genius or this like you know coherent actor within this thing um, is so, in my opinion, it's so bizarre trying to understand how many people actually like how people actually were able to bridge that gap. Because to me, on on its yeah. face, I mean, on its face, it struck me. Trump strikes me. Really, I mean, and it's a very visceral feeling of just this guy's like on his face, a complete charlatan and like a yeah. moron. 
Yeah. Um, and, and who he's like, a, he's like lying. He's lying to you. Like, and there's not, there's like no other way to really, for me yeah. to like process it or to see it. Now, once again, am I the, I mean, you and I were both like college educated. Yeah. You're not the target like market Taylor. Middle class or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. But so I don't know whether it's just, it's so surprising seeing people who, I mean, and this is something, this happened a couple months ago. I was at a, at, at the coffee shop in town and I ran into a girl who I had gone to high school with. And her and I were talking and she was like, she's working in this like social, um, she's a social worker um, in a like more in mostly an administrative context. But she was, you know, talking about all these different, these, the, these conditions that people are in and sort of the, the despair that they feel and was very, um, was very like coherent and um, seemed to be like really like, you know, thoughtful about her direct experiences. And I mean, she was obviously some of it, I, you know, some of it was a little bit, you know, she obviously, she didn't like her job necessarily, but there were parts of it, that, you know, you could at least sort of see this coherent thought coming through it. And then we decided somehow I got on Trump as like a lot of things do when you have in-depth conversations with people mm-hmm. about, you know, just the stuff that they're going through. Um, and she was like, you know what? I just really think that he's got a lot of good ideas. And I didn't realize the entire time that I was talking to this person who was a who was a a Trump supporter, yeah. Um, and yet, and that it was yeah. it was really disorienting for a couple yeah. seconds because then I realized like oh I have to I have to shift to this other language that I have for talking to people who are Trump supporters yeah. because you don't want to you can't basically just say out of the out of the gate like you don't want to you don't want to make people angry. Yeah. And you don't want to shut off what could be a good conversation by just being like, this guy's a fucking moron. Like, he's an idiot, and it's yeah. obvious, and you should know it. And by extension, you're a moron for, like, just eating, you know, just taking whatever he's giving you. Yeah. Um, that is the that is the thought that I have. But um, not necessarily that they're a moron, but more I just, like, feel – I'm just, like – I just have this really sick feeling on my stomach every time it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I have yeah. in my mind like this hypothetical concept of like what an intelligent Trump supporter would, would look like. Like and it would be somebody who's like, okay, so Trump is stupid, but I voted for him because he has better <laughs> Supreme Court nominees or something like that. Well, the thing but is like, that's – I'm mean, sorry, not to, not to derail you, but – yeah. The thing is, it's like funny because when you come up with the the concept or the archetype of the like now of like the aware Trump supporter, yeah. Uh, the only way that you can arrive at it is someone who's being like intentionally misleading about their own like intentions or stuff. They're like they're like, oh, well, I know he's a dumbass or whatever. <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, to be fair, actually, I mean, you think from the libertarian perspective, I mean, if if like we exist in a study where you had to vote for one of the two parties and you had to vote no matter what. Like, I think from a term perspective, because A, Trump is less competent at getting stuff done than Hillary would be. I mean, Hillary would definitely have been a much more of a machine in getting policy accomplished. Um, and then B, just like, I mean, because, like, just on the Supreme Court nominees alone, I always thought, like, you actually could make a case where, like, from certain conservative libertarian perspectives, if you had to vote for one of the two of them, then, like, you could legitimately say, okay, I voted for Trump. Like, he himself is a terrible person or an idiot or whatever. But, like, good Lord, he's had a chance to nominate two Supreme Court nominees. Imagine if Hillary had done that. And at least he's really bad at governing, so he's got less stuff done. 
but I never actually encounter anybody yeah. who makes that view. Like people are always like actually trying to defend the man as like a genius, as an upright right. person, as somebody who's bettering the country. Yeah. And I'm just like, where, where I just, I always kind of, like, it'd be great to encounter one person who voted for Trump, who doesn't seem to just be really easily deceived. <laughs> and I, I just haven't so had that yet. <laughs> my, uh, I think maybe my mom would be an example of someone who's sort of like that. I think that she, um, it's, it's sort of hard to say we're definitely going to have to, when we get into the Trump and family politics at a certain point that we'll definitely talk more about this, but she is like, and I, I think my grandma is actually the same way where, um, they, I think that she, she sort of realizes that he is like this comical figure sort of, and she, yeah. maybe not comical, comical may not be the right word, but she realizes that she doesn't like his personality at all. Like the, the thing that people are so compelled by, um, this person who is, you know, like just vulgar and, um, like just exists. I mean, just sort of exists to, to like destroy, you know, to destroy people or whatever, um, or just mock people. Um, she doesn't like that part of him, but at the same time, I mean, for her, she, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it was just the simple idea, you know, the simple fact that, um, Hillary was the person on the other side. And yeah, especially he, for Christian evangelical people, there's this whole sort of subset of things that they would, that things that are like, um, things that, you know, they would never vote differently on, you know, if they thought yeah. that, you know, abortion was going to be, you know, oh, like they right, wouldn't yeah. vote for a Democrat just because they could be even tangentially related to abortion. Right. Um, and actually it's, it's shows how far I've fallen from the, from the tree. Apparently that I, that wasn't my, my Kate, I chose Supreme court nominees as my, my reason to never vote Hillary. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's like to most, but the most thing is, it's not. Or something, yeah. Well, I mean, the Supreme Court nominees. I mean, that could. I mean, I think it's. I think it's a good point. But people are not necessarily thinking about. I don't know if people would necessarily think. No, I mean, they're actually, thinking more about like, okay, could we repeal Obamacare versus could we repeal Roe v. Wade? Like, those yeah. are like the. I think those are the types of things, at least with the people that I'm around who I know are Trump supporters. Those are the types of things that they're. Um, yeah, those are the types of things that uh, that they're like compelled by. Um, so, anyway, we made it to. Oh, sorry. Did you have? Did you have have any closing oh, thoughts or anything? Yeah, or? no, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think I, I do realize kind of using, going off with your, your example of your mother, um, I, I do suspect what it is is people who voted for Trump but, like, don't like the man at all. They're probably actually the people who never identify as Trump supporters but then wind up voting for him. Like, they'll, they'll never own up to it, but they, I because mean, obviously the man got 50% of the voter or thereabouts within a few percentage of it. So obviously a lot of people did, and I realize I, that's probably where my silent, not intellectual, because I, I still think there. It's I still not. Think it's definitely not an intellectual thing. It's much more of a. Uh, I guess. I mean, in some ways, it is. It is the way that religion sort of you know ties yeah. to it. I guess my nuanced and maybe appropriately ashamed Trump supporters are probably the ones who just don't discuss it. Uh, but the, my right. my unicorn Trump supporters who who don't pretend that he's a, a decent or intelligent person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. It would be it'd be interesting to find uh, to find people like that. We should have them on the show if we if we can find them because I'm. I'm I'd be very interested. Yeah, I'd be very interested to find that. 
think um, if people that own it, they own it too proudly, which means that there's a deficiency there that makes me normally not too interested in talking with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, so much, so much of it. And, and the thing, I mean, I don't know, describing the current political state, so much of, so much of what we're, so much of kind of the way that things exist and that where people fall, I think a lot of it has to do with, it actually has to do with affect and with theater and with things that we wouldn't necessarily want to be, wouldn't necessarily want to be associated with politics. Like we wish yeah. that politics was this sort of thing that was in some ways more objective, whether you can arrive at that. But actually, um, I think there is like, you know, the, you just have to kind of embrace it with what it is. Like it's never not going to be this thing that's, that's based on personality and based on, yeah. you know, I think where I, I think definitely to 16 was interesting because it was kind of, I think again, tracking libertarian circles. So like looking at like a lot, I mean, since libertarians don't have a populist bone in them because they just know it's not going anywhere for them. Like, that, well, because they're giant, they're giant ass nerds. Is what yeah, no, are. I mean, I, like, no, I mean, again, like, so you, you, if you exist too long in the libertarian circles, like, of your, that's like what you read and stuff like that, then you're basically reading either a bunch of economics or a bunch of philosophy, and that totally they just want, I mean, they, you know, the, I mean, they're reading, they're reading economics, they're reading philosophy, and they're also like, I think, harboring this secret desire to like be able to have sex in public parks. Like, I think <laughs> that they would love to do that too. So it's like. With, with animals and other men. Of course, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah. And so I guess like, it to seen was like a good kind of wake up call in one sense where it's like a reminder that like, there's like this little, this little, I, I feel like this is probably kind of the niche that like a much bigger niche, obviously, but for the social Democrats, where like there's, there is an intellectual rigor there that there also exists like in libertarianism. And then you kind of look at broader American politics where 90% of the country exists and realize there's just, there's no interest in intellectual rigor. I mean, obviously, 2016 was like, we just embraced the idea that policy didn't matter at all. It was going to be entirely about showmanship. Like, yeah. I think actually Hillary, ironically enough, like in the past, I felt like at times Democrats would be the ones who focused too much on showmanship. But I mean, like in 2016, they just got steamrolled like by actually trying to care a bit about policy. Well, um, pretty, they pretty, they picked a, pretty uh i don't know i think she was i think she was able to take the punches but she was decidedly uncharismatic and deeply unpopular on both the uh, left and right and the people who i think probably decided wouldn't decide to vote uh give me one second let me plug in real fast and we'll close out i gotta my laptop's about to die yeah no problem Okay, so actually something that's uh, something that uh, we had a brief interlude because my um, laptop died, which actually is very, uh, I think it's illustrative of uh, the current political state in the U.S. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Things are fucking uh, broken. And actually right now my, uh, so the it wouldn't have died had I been using a, a an actual uh, charger, like an actual like Mac charger, but I'm using a work laptop and so they decided to cut corners and get a, a knockoff charger. And so what's actually happening right now is it connects and then disconnects. I think it's using so much power. So I'm at 3% and my screen is like going in and out as it connects and disconnects. I think technically it's like probably running like steady, but it's probably running steady technically, but uh, we need to go ahead and close that anyway. So we'll see. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see if we can get there. Um, so yeah, so we, we were going to talk about 2018 2020 obviously there are too many things to talk about trump is the uh, swamp that uh 
we were inevitably going to get stuck in as, you know, the entire U.S. political <laughs> I think that's going to be most of this podcast, though. <laughs> stuck in right now. So, yeah, at some point we'll talk about 2018, 2020. Um, I threw this in, and we don't necessarily have to do this, but uh, but I, I was kind of thinking, like, is there something right now that you're kind of, like, reading or listening to or something that you would, like, suggest for people? Um, uh What's uh, actually what's interesting is I've decided because I I get sidetracked reading way too easily. I, I've been on a bit of a moratorium of just reading basically technical programming and computer science text last few months. Well, look, so, can, can we suggest a, uh, Can you suggest a good uh, programming? I mean, it doesn't have to be related to our topic. It can really be can really be yeah. anything at this point. I mean, you got a uh, uh, actually. Let me see. Uh, you have like a book. Uh, you have like a book apart thing, like uh, you know something on HTML. Yeah, no, actually, I'm trying to get the author's name. Uh, actually, it's uh, inside the machine. Um, I'm trying to remember the author. I'm pulling it up real quick. Uh, John Stokes, and it's actually, it's actually very much more computer science oriented. It's it's a look at microprocessors. So it's gotcha. I kind of wanted to understand I, as I encountered like Bitcode and stuff, and looking at the CLI and things like that, and like the .NET runtime. I was like, well, this would probably make a lot more sense why stuff was chosen this way if I actually knew how microprocessors worked, at least at a at a, a layman's level. It's, it's more of a layman's level, and I'm only a few chapters right, in, yeah. but uh, it, seem, it seems like it, it'll get the job done. My brain doesn't explode. And that, now I, I feel very bad for my brother who actually did electrical engineering proper and had to go learn all this stuff in class and make microprocessors <laughs> work so <laughs> yeah um well yeah i mean that's good you know people you know maybe we'll get this burgeoning uh, microprocessor crossover between the uh, sort of uh the intellectual trump voter and uh, people who are really into microprocessing um that's uh, that's good it will just just let ai decide all the elections yeah, uh, that's I work better for <laughs> yeah, that's that's an idea to discuss um, I am, I'm kind of in one of those things now where I, what I tend to do is if I'm reading something and I get, uh, and I get too, uh, I don't know, like I get either unhappy with what I'm reading or I get, I tend to get really sidetracked. So I'm in one of those positions now where I literally have like six things going and, um, none of them are really like going smoothly. I started this Goodreads challenge of like 40 books and I think I'm like five books in and so I'm well behind the mark that I need to be at. Um, not that I, I'm not super concerned with hitting that number because I don't think that I will, but um, especially considering I just decided that I was gonna instead of being a, a pseudo pseudo intellectual um, uh, socialist that I was actually gonna be uh, I'm gonna be a real intellectual I'm not gonna be a dumbass um, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna start making some cogent points start bringing in political philosophy in a real sense so I started reading uh, C- uh, Capital Volume One by Marx the man himself uh. so. Um, Das Capital. There's about a hundred pages to the introduction. I'm about sixty pages into the introduction, so I haven't really touched any of Carl's actual work. But I'm really excited to figure out, you know, how everything is a, is a commodity. That seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, honestly, I'm really not. A, I'm really not. I, in some ways, I'm looking forward to it because it could be cool. But in other ways, I'm. Uh, in other ways, I'm secretly dreading it because I know it's going to take a long time. So. Yeah. The computer's at 0%. It went from 3% to 0%, so we need to close it out. Um, okay. Anyway, good, really good talking to you. We'll figure this out. We'll. Uh, I'm going to try and figure out the charger situation. But, uh, <laughs> you probably need to just for work as well. Yeah, <laughs> so. Jesus Christ. Anyway, all right, well, have a good night, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Pleasure talking to you, Have a good night.
how far a heart could really go to the height and width and depth and breadth you'd go to see cry before I was wise enough to know just when to cut a loss and when to It's not real 